Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome, welcome, roll up, roll up. It's Homo Sapiens episode four with me, Christopher Sweeney, and who else? Christopher Sweeney. Uh, Will Young, I mean. <laughs> welcome to episode four. We have a fun packed show. Yes. Beep, beep. Who is it? Do you feel like every time you get a text message, does a small part of your brain go, oh my God, it's happening? Yes! <laughs> What's that about? It's the, you know, it's... It's, it's the biggie. It's the biggie. What's that about? Ever optimistic, I think. To land the big one. Yeah. But what is the big one anyway? It's a fictitious thing, isn't it? The big one is a text from James Franco. <laughs> Although actually, I don't know if I want it from James Franco. <laughs> Ooh, whoa, whoa, Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, now that's the text you want. Shall I see who it is? Yes. Oh, it's Domino's Pizza. Coming up on today's show, we're talking about LGBT inclusivity in schools with Andrew Moffat, who teaches at Parkfield School in Birmingham. He's been teaching this ethos, which is now Outsiders, which is about inclusivity involving LGBT people, but also any kind of religion, creed, colour, whatever. And it's been this enormous success. Year one, her five-year-olds went to a pantomime last week. And uh, during a pantomime, there was obviously a pantomime dame, and a pantomime dame, all children recognised that it was a man. A lot of the schools in that audience just really they found it difficult accepting this and children were basically catcalling a bit and were booing enough for one of our girls to stand up and shout no it's okay there's no outsiders which is just wonderful you've got a five-year-old muslim girl seeing a effectively a gay marriage and he's saying stop booing it's okay there were no outsiders it's a brilliant interview actually and i'm so pleased that we went homophobia is so rife in schools the fact that the suicide rate for young gay males is almost twice that of heterosexual young males and for transgender people it it goes almost triple so Mm. it's it is really important and i don't think it's addressed enough in schools for the first time listening to him speak i felt like i could see a path forwards for the next generation of genuinely not having prejudice how did you feel going to that school william i felt a bit nervous well we just had a chicken wrap <laughs> um i felt a bit nervous because going into schools as a gay man i not really now but i used to feel quite conscious mm. because to be honest i think there was still that thing of people just focus on the sex side of being gay mm. which they don't so much anymore mm. i actually think historically you know, gay men were put in the same bracket as paedophiles. Mm. So gay men should not be in schools. Yes. And and so I think there was a, a whole mixture of emotions that I would have going to schools. Mm. Um, then as soon as I walked in, it was brilliant because I felt like I was not prejudiced against because there were all these signs saying, you know... No outsiders. Yeah. No outsiders and mummies can be with mummies. I feel like that. I feel like I need to just have this instinctive feeling in me to not mention being gay around children yes. in a school. And I don't yes. know, no one's told me that. It's just in my head. Do you ever feel that around kids in normal life? Because there are some people where that word gay, hmm. I just don't feel that I could mention it around their kids. Whereas other friends, it just wouldn't even be an issue. They're like, to say gay hmm. would bring up... <clears throat> Dogs are off. Oh, it's the cat. It's that the cat. cat. That cat. The cat looked so terrified. Come in. Come in now. This is awful. Keep talking, Chris. I have found, when I've been with my friends and their children, and it has come up about me being gay, 
and I wonder if our listeners have felt this, that they do the explanation of what it is to be gay in front of you, but it is always in a slightly different tone to if they were explaining how a vending machine works, e.g. it's completely normal. So if it's a vending machine where it'd be like, you put your 20p in here, yeah. pick which one you want and it'll pop out. Whereas when it's explaining about being gay, they go, well, sometimes some men don't like women they like and it's like and it's sort of half the eyes are on you and it's like yes as if they're sort of everything's doing, safe it's okay yeah and it's like why don't you just explain it in a matter of fact way because it is matter of fact it's not um maybe that's me just being grumpy no no i don't think it is you being grumpy i actually think it's really and i've got i've got a little beer in my bonnet about it yeah it's a bit it's a bit awkward <laughs> yeah you know what i mean Whereas why is like, it awkward with like yeah. our friend sarah would just be like she literally wouldn't give it. And, and actually, she said to, I think she said to a midwife or someone that came round and said, I think she said, oh, where's your husband? And Sarah went, well, how do you know I don't have a wife? Mm. Yeah, because that's representing it outside of the LGBT community. Yes, and that's really exactly. Great. I've had a mixed bag. Good week started well. Mm-hmm. And then I, got, I could feel myself getting more and more tired. Mm-hmm. Properly tired, actually. Mm. And anxiety and i just couldn't keep it at bay mm, so really? i had two days off work and may i say again that the people who i'm working with are so nice i do feel a bit guilty when i came in on the saturday well, it's because you're wearing a thought park hat. <laughs> <laughs> Woo, what a couple of days i've had thought you were anxious oh yeah suitcase yeah <laughs> Straight from the airport. Hey guys, <laughs> one Stickers. of those one of those caps that has hands on that <laughs> flap with beer cans in the top. <laughs> I felt guilty because I yeah, because I was just like, oh gosh, I hope people don't think that I'm the ex pop star that doesn't bother to get involved. But one, I've learnt a lot through CBT to not worry about what other people are thinking because yeah. I'm not in their brains, yeah. so I don't need to apologise. That's a big thing. But I think you. In a way, you kind of can say sorry and not feel bad about saying sorry because it's like you understand that it was disruptive, but they understand that you couldn't help it. You know, and it's sort of, you shouldn't have to feel like you're boxed in. Yeah, so, but it was interesting coming back. I did what I needed to do. Tell me about your week. I've had a great week, actually. I went to a sort of convention on surrogacy. What? That's Um, what they're doing on the archers. (laughs) It's like your lives are in parallel. So surrogacy, i.e. you want to have a child with your partner. And I've had lots of conversations with people. How do you have a child via surrogacy? And they start talking and then I'm like, I'm lost. Mm. I'm still lost. So there's a guy called Richard Westerby who does a service and it's kind of about demystifying the process. Is he like a sort of human version of the stork? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's a bit more expensive than the stork. Mm. So you cannot do surrogacy on the NHS in the UK. Question. How Tell much me, what do you think about how's it? How much is it going to cost you? Oh, it's really expensive. Because this is good to know for people. It costs between 90 and 200,000 pounds. Dollars, sorry. And also, please, anyone feel free to correct me if they've gone through it themselves and it hasn't been that much. I am super excited. I know it's not happening anytime soon, by the way. No, but I know it was. They lost me at ninety thousand pounds. I know it was rumbling in the in the background. Um, I wonder if a lot of that money is to facilitate the legal red tape process, rather than the actual. Because it's got to be watertight, hasn't it? That's Mm. why I wouldn't. If I wanted a child, I wouldn't do it with a friend because Mm. it's a whole lot of. It's a whole box of nightmare. Yeah. Then I spoke to a lawyer, and she said although she would say that she's a lawyer, she said the first thing you need is a lawyer. But (laughs) the person who can sort of negotiate the whole thing for you, because you will have to have a lawyer involved anyway. Her name was Molly O'Brien. She's amazing. Great name. And she was the kindest, most wonderful person I've met in a long, long time. And it demystified the process for me. And I met loads of other parents there who are going to do, who are doing surrogacy. A guy who's doing it all on his own. Straight guy who has done it and how it's changed his life. So... At the end of it, how do you feel? Well, they give you a party bag and it's got a baby in it. <laughs> no. <laughs> you had me for about a second. Your eyes did go did like... Did you see oh, that? I that, extra inhaled on the cigarette. That, were you thinking, God, I wish I'd come? I think you're going to be great dads. Thanks. And the reason I'm saying that is I want to be a godparent. Well, there is... It's a sort of running board in the house. You are on it. Oh, Jesus, come on. <laughs> um, what more do I have to do? 
Well, I can point you I to... I know what you're looking at, the lantern. The lantern, I'm giving I you have. a lantern because I can't look at it without feeling... Because it's, it's for you. Will bought me a lantern as a present... And then he took it back, kept it. So when I walked into his house this morning, I strode up to the end of the garden, plucked it off the floor, and it's next to my bag because I'm taking it with me because it's a beautiful lamp. It's just got your name on it, hasn't well, it? It says you. Chris Sweeney. So you've just gone up two places up the chart yes. of Godparent. Update on yes. bus driver gate. Oh, when you were homophobically abused by a bus driver. Love yes. Bus driver. Said I drove like a pufter. Mm-hmm. Went to the company, got it to the company, even though I... <coughs> Identified the person and you could have come in and identified him too. Oh, can uh, I? Yeah, you can. Oh, can I? Um, yeah. They said, <coughs> oh, we don't have a positive enough ID and he's denied it. Of course, he's going to deny it. I would know him if I saw him. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So I said, well, is that it? So I took it to the police. Mm, good on you. Carla, my heart. Will go on. Melts for you. So I went to Shepherd's Bush Police Station in London. Had a great chat with Carla. Can't remember the other. Can I pause you there for one second? What was the police station outfit? Because I just know there was some thought. Oh, me? Yeah. I was in a boiler suit. Oh, really? Okay. Denim. Because you always want to go, like, innocent. Yeah. But formal. She was great. Mm -hmm. And she was very honest. And she said that, we'll get down to he said, you said. She has had a chat with him, but I don't know if she's called him into the police station. Because she can call him in to, to officially question him. Really? So anyone out there... This has been a whole model. I am writing it in a diary. Um, my experience with homophobia out uh, soon. Paperback. <laughs> six ninety nine. A great read on the loo. Um, if anyone does come across hate crime, mm-hmm. you can report it. The thing is that's important to point out, I think, is that you're doing all of this not only because of you, but because of other people who get this shit. Yes. And it needs to be reported because you, otherwise you're part of the problem unless you're reporting it. Well, and you always say, don't be a part of the problem, be a part of the solution. <laughs> Have you said that? No, never. No! <laughs> but I like that. No, you say that other thing, which I love, like... Can I borrow £10? <laughs> <laughs> um, Sorry, left my wallet at home. Do you mind getting this? That's one of mine. That, anyway, so, yeah, so we're <laughs> well, good where on, we are. That's good. They've been amazing, the police. Well, that's brilliant. I'm thrilled to hear that because anyone else who has experienced it, because I know that there will be listeners who have experienced it, you know, you can go to the police and it will help. Yes, 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 yes. This week's episode is all about inclusivity in schools. So we thought we would head to Twitter and ask you, dear listeners, what are your biggest memories from your school days? And someone's just put the PE horse, which I think is just... When I saw that photo, so Water Babe has just posted a picture. The PE horse and navy blue PE knickers. I mean, we are, we must be the same age because that is such a strong memory for me. The smell, because you always had to do exercise in the dining hall. Do you remember? So it slightly smelt of mints when you're doing PE. <laughs> <laughs> I've got Andal Nadovlu at Vida. 15. Uh, losing a love letter from my first girlfriend and crying about it to another teacher who then told everybody I was looking for my love letter. Worst week of my schooling career. Oh. Did you ever write any love letters? Yeah, we used to write bloody love letters to each other all the time. Sorry, me and the, our school and the girls' school. So you'd write a letter to someone. That was sort of how you got going with a relationship. So that my first ever girlfriend, I'm sorry I wasted her time. I wrote her a letter. No, she wrote me a letter, then I wrote her one. So yeah, we did write love, but they weren't love letters. They were just like, hi, I've been to the shops today. They were a bit weird. I wrote a love letter to Jessica Hanbury. Did you? And I put Swalk on the back. <gasps> Seal with, the loving, with the loving Kiss. I remember that. Yeah. And my friend Rida Hassan Saeed, who I then ran into years later. I mean, we're talking years later. And he said, you're exactly the same. And I said, you're exactly the same. Really? And we were like, we're at school and we were right. He helped me because he was quite cool and he had Reebok pumps. Uh, I actually have had a Facebook message from someone, my one of my oldest best friends at school, Adam. He Facebook messaged me this week. I lost my best friend. Really? Yeah. I was a bit of a knob and I need to apologise to him. This is years ago. Really? Actually, here's, I'm going to throw this out to listeners. Mm-hmm. There's some things I would have carried to my grave mm. and I need to apologise to him. Because I never told him I wouldn't go to, I couldn't make his wedding. Oh. And that was awful. And I thought because I was a pop star, it was fine because I was doing Glastonbury. Mm. But actually it wasn't. And mm. I will apologise to him because I'll take that to my grave. Well, that's poor, really good. Poor James. I'm that's, so sorry. I will I will find his email and say, I'm sorry. 
What are your biggest memories from your school days? Susan Payne, the bike shed, Paul Flowers at the Mr. Flowers, under the stage, you don't need it. What's going on with these people? Everyone's a bit frisky. Very frisky. The, Julianne says the school Christmas disco, aged 11. At the last minute I found out my friends were all going in maxi dresses, which was the fashion then. As I didn't have one, I went in my nightdress. I went to my 13th birthday party as Kate Moss. Oh, you're amazing. Yeah. This is why we're S- friends. Silver tights, black mini skirt. I didn't look anything like Kate Moss. I don't even think I consulted a picture of Kate Moss before I got dressed up as But waif-like. I bet you were very waif-like. I you was, still are waif-like. I was quite waif-like. I used to look incredibly different as a child. I was quite sometimes mistaken for being a girl. Um, being horribly mentally bullied, which has affected my whole life. Gosh, I'm 70 this year. Kerry Murphy, same here. It affects every move you make in life. And ends up changing who you should have been. Gosh, mad thing is the bullies probably never gave us a second thought and carried on regardless with their lives. This, that's very sad. There's a few people here actually who've said about bullying. Apparently, there was a wager in the staff room at my school as to whether I was gay or not. Oh, that's awful. Isn't that terrible? How do you know about that? My friend's mum was the science assistant and she told me. I think that's awful. It's gross, isn't it? That's really gross. There were lovely teachers there as well. Mr. Peters, who's my English teacher, just inspired me. I mean, he was completely nuts. Really? He taught me King Lear and it was just amazing. Stuck with me for the whole of my life. That's what teaching's all about. Yeah. When you hear stories like that, you're like, brilliant. And Mr. Smith, the pottery teacher, who I said, I said, Mr. Smith, you're just, you're such a loser. And he goes, yeah, I may be a loser, but you're going to remember me for the rest of your life. And I was like, (gasps) oh my gosh, you've completely got me there. And then I loved him. I was like, that's amazing, Mr. Smith. That's wicked. I'm still talking about him. Thank you for your tweets, as ever. This week is LGBT inclusivity in schools with Andrew Moffat. It was the first stop on our whistle-stop tour of Britain to meet the LGBT people of Britain. We're off to see Andrew Moffat, the deputy headmaster of a primary school. We went to Birmingham to Andrew's school. Hi, Andrew. Is it right to leave the car here? We met loads of the kids there and we met Andrew and he told us his story about what it's like to be a gay teacher in an inner city school in Birmingham. The school is 98% Muslim. Andrew Moffat does this big scheme called No Outsiders and we spoke to some of the kids and they told us what they thought about No Outsiders. No Outsiders is whether you're gay or lesbian, whatever race you are, religion, you're all, everyone is welcome in our school. We follow the Equality Act, which is when in our school everybody's equal, so we... So nobody's treated them unfairly. The first person I met that was gay was Mr. Moffat, and uh, in our religion, it's like forbidden. But then when Mr. Moffat came, everybody like kind of got used to it, and then like everybody became more like a family. In my book, uh, it's called King and King, and it's about this king that he doesn't like like no uh, girls or women, and he wanted to marry a boy, and then in the end he found, he found his true love, and then he gets to marry him, and then this book shows that everybody's welcome and everybody can uh, has their own choice to marry who they want. It's like hot stone therapy listening to them. Such cool kids, weren't they? It just shows how something like No Outsiders works. And I think Andrew's journey implementing it has not been necessarily an easy one. But my God, that man is tenacious. Here is our conversation with Andrew Moffat. What does your husband do? Oh, uh, HR, he has children. He hates it. <laughs> there we, have. we met in the uh, in Guardian in Guardian Soulmates eighteen years ago, nineteen ninety eight. I met eighteen years ago. I met one of my boyfriends on Guardian Soulmates, mm. and it's amazing. I can remember reading his um, advert and thinking, "Oh my God, I've got to meet this person." Oh, really? I can remember vividly. What, I can remember the word even now, nineteen years later. What did and it I wasn't say? even really properly out at the time. I was I was starting to be. I remember, I remember lying in the bath, as you do, with The Guardian, and I uh, was thinking, no, I'll just have a look at these. And it was 98, so it was when Boyzone were quite, you know, Stephen Gately. And it said, <laughs> be, be my Stephen, male Boyzone fan, 26, wants pop lover for fun times in dancing. And I remember thinking, oh my God, that's it. And that's what we've had. Before you've met him. Two years, fun times in dancing. It's been fabulous. That's so sweet. Yeah, so there you go. That's adorable. 1998. Was coming out hard. Oh, God, yeah. 
Oh yes, absolutely. Well, sort of to most people. Mm. You know, I spent years, you know, thinking maybe I'd wake up and wouldn't be gay mm. because you know in the eighties it was so awful, and I was sixteen when. Session 28 started, and that was just so, you know, so in my sort of formative years of realising that I was gay, you know, to have all these, to have Thatcher say, you know, stand on that podium and can picture now saying, you know, our young people think they have the right to be gay, you know, and all these people were saying that um, it was wrong, and the law was saying it was wrong, and schools couldn't do it, and then, and then being a teacher as well, I was thinking, oh my God, I don't know any gay teachers, mm. well, that were out, mm. it was just an alien concept, and in fact, the day after I told my parents, my parents phoned me up and said, said, okay, you are going to leave teaching, aren't you? No, no, yeah, do they? Because obviously, you know, because, you know, I don't, it's not their fault. It's just, no. you know, they didn't know anyone that was gay. They, you have an image of what a gay person is and shouldn't be. And for the first sort of for 10 years of my, my um, career, I was, it never occurred to me to come out at school. You know, so I thought it was never, never, never be possible because I didn't know any teachers that were out. I didn't know any gay teachers, really. I think I knew one. I was very conscious that as I sort of, you know, became more su successful at this, that I was asking children, I knew all about their lives, and but they were asking me about my life, because it's a two-way thing, a conversation, isn't it? And I was just always lying to them, mm. you know, and I was saying, are you married? Are you married, Mr Moffat? And I said, no, not yet, we've got a girlfriend, or oh, lots of friends who are girls. Mm. You know, I would just, just sit it down all the time. And I started to think this was wrong, really, because... Um, you know, I was aware that at the time, uh, Little Britain was quite big, you know, the only gay in the village. Mm. It was just dreadful for um, when I was working in primary school because kids were quoting it all the time. So that damaged, do you think that really damaged? Oh, I think so. Yeah, that's, gosh, that's so. interesting. Yeah, because there's no alternative, there's no uh, balance, you see. Yeah. What happened was basically my civil partnership because that changed everything. Because so, I remember thinking, well, you know, imagine going into school on the Monday to a civil partnership and the kid's saying, oh, what'd you do at the weekend? And not saying, I got mm. married. Mm. You know, which is the ultimate, you know. So, civil partnership happened. And I thought, right, I'm going to have to tell people. I'm going to have to tell kids. You think there was a part of it, well... I remember going to, doing this writing, writing session with Robin Thicke. Oh, really? Did I tell you this? No. And he was saying, oh, we should write. This was before he, be he became a big pop star. Was I spotting a zeitgeist? Very possibly. <laughs> and uh, anyway, and he was like, let's write this song about you and a girl. And I remember going, oh, okay. Yeah, we'll do that. And I was already out as yeah. a pop star in the UK, but he lived in LA. I sort of was really interested that I went along with it. And mm. I went along with it because I was a bit scared, yeah. actually, because he was quite blokey and, you know. He's quite alpha, He's quite he? alpha, oh, and yeah. I probably felt like, I don't know, I was worried about the reaction. Yeah. Mm. But even now, you know, as a confident gay man, you still make choices about who you come out to and, and whether it's safe. You have to make a judgment all the time, whether you're safe. Oh, hang on, we've got something yes. coming in. Oh, oh, what's happened? Hello. Check everything was out <gasps> Was it you who's, nice. who's... This is, this is Belinda. Belinda. Belinda's Belinda's got, what are those hats called? You've got a sort of chef's netted hat on yes. with a yes. peak. Oh yes, we're Peaky Blinders, we're from Birmingham, aren't we? Peaky Blinders! Oh, <laughs> Is it you that made these? Yeah, we make all the... Oh, thank Everything you so apart much. from the chocolate eclairs are made here. Oh, well Bless done. You. Thank you. Yes, very nice to meet you. My daughter-in-law will be so pleased with me when I go home and tell her I've met you in person. Oh, gosh. Oh. Thank, thank you. you. Bye, yeah. see you later. Thank you. So we need to interview her immediately. Um, <laughs> yeah. no, um, Can I say, are you, this, this one gets very cold. Are you cold? I'm all right. I'm all right. Cold, yeah, cold. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love the fact that there's a combination of your civil partnership and not wanting to lie to the kids. Yeah. Bought this. Yeah. You know. Yes. I felt, I felt very strongly that, that, uh, that it was almost my duty to tell them. And also my duty to be a, a gay role model for them because mm. I felt like they didn't have one. And of course I could be wrong. They could have had gay uncles or gay mm. parents. I don't mm. know. I don't know. But certainly I wasn't aware of anyone around school who was gay and I was very conscious of them getting an image of what a gay person was from the television. And you didn't want to contribute to the environment that you grew up around which is yeah. that there was no one gay. To exactly, to exactly. It was someone to have to lie all through their 20s. Yeah. Obviously you didn't have to lie, that was my choice. But many people did. It yeah. was, you know, you're not alone it? there. 
It was a lovely summer day. We all sat in a big circle under a nice big tree and on from the field. Um, let's play a game. Let's play um, the two lies and one truth game. So we'll go around the circle and I want everyone to think of, of three statements. And two of them have got to be lies and one of them is going to be a truth. And we've got to work out which one is the truth. So we'll take it in turns. <clears throat> and it was absolutely terrifying. And I can remember as well that my friend Sarah, her face sort of getting whiter and whiter. Because <laughs> she was thinking, OK, you're going to come out and leave me to it. I've got to then cope with yeah. this class for the rest of the afternoon. Anyway, so it got on to me and I said, I've got seven sisters. I was born in New Zealand. I'm getting married on Saturday. And someone said, oh, are you getting married? I said, yes, to my partner, David. And I, your turn. And there was a sort of slight silence, a little ripple. And Sarah said, the person next to her said to his friend, is he gay? And the kids said, I think so, shh. That was great. And, and that, that was it. it. That was it. And then the next day, there were no pitchforks at the gate. There were no letters of complaint. In fact, I had some cards Sweet. from people saying happy wedding day, which was just wonderful. So that went off really, really well. And there was literally no comeback at all. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And around that time, I joined a group called No Outsiders. And No Outsiders was basically a two-year project. It's the first time that anyone had researched how to tackle homophobia in primary schools. That's when I first wrote those lesson plans. Just tell us a little bit about what those plans are. Just to, I can, for show, people you, who can don't show you. If I can, I walk over there. So I explain what Andrew's showing us, which is it's a folder that says everybody welcome on it and it's a sort of how-to guide about challenging homophobia in schools years five and six week yeah. one yeah years three and four yeah i mean they're like you've given them a week by week year by year thing yeah so picture books that gave a sort of suitable lesson within it well well not really no just not just, even just, that. just story books yeah okay. so right. for example if i can reach over here one of the books that they gave us was space girl pukes has just been reprinted absolutely wonderful but, and they said i use this in year one or year two because the whole point of it is there's a girl that pukes everywhere uh <laughs> and his kids love i've got some sounds like a cabaret uh, yeah. yeah and um she goes up in a rocket so that's good for gender as well and basically everyone's sick with her and stuff and blah, blah, blah. but but uh, we, I, way i use it is because she's got two mummies so it's great two mummies are incidental but they're important because when you read it there are two mummies so it's really about so well, people feeling like they might be different, I get a sense that there's sort of... Well, all, all the books are about being different. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's not really. That's just about being sick. There's a great book uh, which I sort of based my career on, basically. Tell us what it's called. Red Rockets and Rainbow those. Jolly by Sue Heap and Nick Surratt. So Nick and Sue, Nick likes red apples, Sue likes green pears, Nick likes yellow ducks, Sue likes yellow ducks. On every page as it goes through, Nick and Sue like different things. Mm. The final bit is Nick likes Sue and Sue likes Nick. And that's the end of the story. Good one, good one, Sue. So that's the perfect message for starting this book off because it's about liking different things but still being friends. Yes. Uh. We're teaching children that we, you can like chocolate, I can like tomatoes and we can still get on. Mm. So this is interesting because my niece had a problem with me being gay, let's say when she was about five or six, and I would say, well, I like peas, you don't like eating peas. And that was the way that I would, you know, explain it. Yeah. Wouldn't really talk about love or things like that then, loving different people. When does sex education come into it? Well, I don't talk about sex education. No, I know you, no. I don't say it's irrelevant to me into this work. You know, uh, in terms of relationships in different families, four-year-olds, 
you know, four-year-olds, we need to teach children. In fact, in that first resource, 15 years ago, the first line, I think, was we need to teach five-year-olds that gay men and women exist. And, 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 and that's it. And we need to do that because, A, they're going to be children in our classrooms who have got uh, two dads or two mums, and they need to know that their family is normal and accepted and, and, and welcome in school and, and, and a family. And also for people that haven't got, who are lucky enough to not have two dads or two mums, they need to know that there are different families out there and that not families, all families are the same. Mm. So we need to teach children that from age four so that there's no doubt in children's minds as they come into school that everyone is welcome. Mm. Your last school, yeah. just tell us a bit about how you arrived there and you, yeah, know, you came okay. up against some stuff which okay, yeah. is interesting in context to what you're doing now. Yes, after the, I was at the school in Coventry where this all started and it went really, really well, but I was very aware that it was, a, it was a very white school. So I thought, right, I'll do it then. I'll go to a school with a big Muslim population and I'll, I'll prove that you can do this work anywhere. Mm. And you can't. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can actually. What I've learned, you can, but you, you have to do it in a certain way. Mm. So basically, I went to a school in the centre of Birmingham. I waited for about a year. I was assistant head at that school and then uh, that resource was being sent out. Birmingham City Council put that resource in every primary school uh, during that year. Home yeah. in primary schools. Yeah. yeah. But we weren't doing it in my school. So I went to the governor's. The governor's basically run, you know, run the school. They decide what policies and stuff happens. And the governor's threw it out. The governor's refused to do it. And they said, if you do this school, there'll be a riot. Said, you will close the school. If you do this work, you'll close the school. Because there'll be a mass walkout of parents. People will lose jobs. So I thought then, I remember thinking at a time, well, I had two choices. So either I leave or I prove them wrong. So I thought, right, I'm going to prove them wrong because I know I'm right. You like a challenge. I know I'm right. I can hear a dun dun dun. Noise. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> tune in for part yes. two. <laughs> yeah. So, and there's that arrogance really that uh, I'm right. I'm going to prove that. You know, I, I know I'm right, so I'm going to prove them wrong. I'm just going to do it anyway. So we just we used the books and never really told the head teacher I was doing it and never certainly never had a policy about it, which was absolutely the wrong thing to do. And this is what I've learned now from this work, because it was fine until a parent complained. Some kids did a um, poster about being gay. I've kept this poster because the poster caused me all the problem. So gay is okay. Uh, yes, mm. this child brought that to me. And uh, I said, oh, this is great, this is great. Can I, and I said, I'm gonna sew it in assembly. I said, that's a great title, Gay is Okay. So in our school, is it okay to be, well, I don't know, is it okay to be black? And the kids went, yeah. I said, yes, black is okay. Is it okay to be white? I said, yeah, yeah, white's okay. Is it okay to wear glasses? Yeah, and I went on about 10 things, you know. And the last one I said was, is it okay to be gay? And obviously it's like pantomime, this day. it's all going, yeah. So they went, yeah, and I said, yes, gay is okay. I said, I'm gay, I'm gay, and this poster makes me feel really safe in school, so thank you, year six, we'll stick it up on the wall. And that was that. And there was no reaction at the time, really, but then, but then, a couple of weeks later, um, a class did the Penguin book, Tango Makes Three, in year five. It's about two male penguins uh, in New York City Zoo. And uh, the zookeeper realises that they're doing everything together. And he basically realises that they're falling in love. And he says, at one point, he says, they must be in love. He doesn't use the word gay in this book, but often when I'm reading that, at that point, I'll say, oh, what's the name when two men are in love? So it's gay. What's the name when two women are in love? Lesbian. And then a kid told his dad at home, and dad came in and complained and said that they were doing sex education lessons, and I wasn't told. Because you'd done the Penguin book? Yeah, because it's about gay sex, apparently. Right. On a letter, I can't remember the quote on letter, it said, as a Christian, I don't mind my child knowing about different ways of life, but he needs to know the correct way of life. That's what they said in the line. So, you know, this is why it's all, I take responsibility for, for this completely, and it all came crashing down. And, and then what happened was that uh, lots of parents jumped on the sort of um, bandwagon, basically. And, and before we knew it all, we had like about 20 parents saying, I want my child to move from the gay lessons. They wanted me to apologise publicly for coming out. And they wanted, yeah, and of course, I not sure how that would look, stand on a boxing playground or something. I don't know. I don't know how that mm. would look. And they wanted me, not the school, what the parents. Publicly to the parents? Yeah, yeah. The you, school didn't want that. The parents were calling for that. Mental. Yes. How did you feel? Oh, that was just that was one of the worst points of my life. Mm. <laughs> that was horrendous because also I felt, you know, I felt like I brought this on myself because I'm thinking 
I'm invincible and like I'm, and I and I'm right and I'm you know I I can win this but it's that I I, just, I, went, I went around it I went along with it in a completely the wrong way, but of course the consequences for that as I was very aware the worst thing for me was there was a thought that if any child in this school is gay, what they've seen is someone come out they've seen a backlash and that talk, that person leave, mm. which is just awful. I didn't leave straight away, you know, I mean, the, the papers said that I resigned, which, you know, which I did resign, but I, I got another job first, but it was very, very quick. What was the paper's reaction? For the papers, it was an anti-Muslim story. For the papers, it was Muslims, I've got the headline somewhere. Oh, was that's that how it was couched? Yeah. He's going back into his cupboard. Yeah, to back cupboard. into my cupboard, I've got, I have, God, it's, it's in here, actually. Here we are. Gay teacher resigns after parent protest. I had hair in those days. Um, and it's basically yeah. saying that Muslim parents are forced this teacher to come out to leave. There were many Muslim parents that were in that group, but it was started by a Christian parent. Mm. And that came out the week before I left. So it was terrible for me, terrible time, because thinking, oh my God, I'm going back to go to a new school in, I should say, a Muslim area. Yeah. And they've said, what if everyone sees that? And like, oh God, he's coming here. Mm. And they've mentioned in this... <laughs> A Trojan horse. Yeah. Well, that was what they, they were linking it to. That. I, don't, I don't think it was anything to do with a Trojan horse. If I know it wasn't, it wasn't. And just to explain for those who don't know a little bit about Trojan horse. Well, a Trojan horse is a, is a sort of allegation that uh, hardline extremists uh, infiltrate governors and schools in order to inform policy. Mm. And that's a really frustrating connection to make when you're trying to be about inclusivity. Yes. Yes. And for, for me, that, at that point then, it's like, well, what do you do next? Where mm. do you go next? Because I thought to have any credibility, I've got to go to a school where might, the same thing might happen again. Mm -hmm. Gosh. So this is a very, just, just yes, good, uh, good context. Is this a very Muslim area? Yes. 98% of our children follow Islam. Yeah. And without pointing, I just so I'm not pointing out that it's completely obvious, but... Islam is not comfortable with being gay. Lots of Muslim parents have told me that it's forbidden. Okay. Okay. Yes. Right. Um, Obviously, there's different opinions about that from different Muslims. Mm, yeah, yeah. And I suppose it's important to point out at this point that it's silly doing catch-alls for Islam. Muslims are anti-gay, and everyone, you know, yeah. there's so many shades of grey within that. Absolutely. But it gives you an in it, the context of having a 98% yeah. Muslim school is. It's an interesting place to go next. Yes. Have you, ta have you <laughs> yes. taken on a bigger challenge by then coming here? Yes, deliberately. <laughs> yes. Because I, because why, I love it. Why, why? Because this is brilliant. Because it's like Rocky Three. Yes. Yeah, totally. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna smash this. Yeah. <laughs> because, because it, did you feel that you'd failed there? Totally. Yeah. Oh my God, absolutely, it was horrendous. Mm. The reason why I started all this originally is because the whole thing for me about not coming out till I was 27 and, and, and those years in, in my 20s just being so, you know, desperately unhappy and, just, and depressed and thinking that I was never going to find a partner or, you know, and not wanting any child to go through that, but also not wanting any child to go through the lying that we talked about before, about lying to your family, lying to your parents, because, you know, I, I don't want to feel that they're, that, 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 that it's not an option that they can't be gay. Mm, mm. So in my last school, I did not achieve that. In fact, I achieved the opposite of that because by my actions, children learn that if you're gay, people are going to hate you and you have to disappear. Mm -hmm. that's, what, that's what I learned. I love the fact that you, you've really looked at that and owned what can now be improved on, on yeah. your actions then. I mean, I think that's... Yeah, I that's agree with that. Suspension of your ego to be able to say, "Yeah, I didn't do that great, and now I can do it." I mean, that's mm. that's incredible. I think because so many people do not want to learn mm. from their mistakes. You know, it's great to be able to hold one's hand up and go, "Wasn't the best job there." Yes. Now I'm going to do it differently. Tell me what happened when you got here. Okay, so I saw there was a job going here, and uh, and I've met the head teacher before, and she was absolutely brilliant. Hazel Pulley is her name, absolutely brilliant. And I tell you the difference actually between her and my last head. When this came out, this came out on a Sunday. This article was headline with me. I came here before I went to my last school just to say to Hazel, I'm really sorry about this. Mm. This has nothing to do with me. I didn't. I don't know how it went there. And the first thing she did was she hugged me and said, oh. "Are you all right?" Sweet. I thought that just spoke volumes because, like, because that, that's the kind of person that she is. Her, mm. her, her overall priority was, was, am I okay? Rather than, what have you done? Yeah, <laughs> you know. And um, so she, she supported you coming in and 
yeah, I see. Yeah, continuing the work you were doing in a, in a, with a new yeah, completely approach. new. Yeah, and how has the place changed? Well, uh, we had Ofsted and they gave us Outstanding, which was great. And they, they put Night Sides as a key strength, which was, was wonderful. I think Hazel would say it just, it just changed in terms of teachers' confidence in talking about things that they couldn't, they didn't feel able to work, to work before. So we're talking about, you know, big things. So when, when, a, when a terrorist attack happens, what do schools do? I think many schools panic and don't know what to say. This gives us an avenue through us to talk about the difficult subjects and we are absolutely preparing children for life in Britain where they're going to meet people who are different mm. and you know when it comes to terrorist attacks or uh, I don't know Donald Trump being elected talking about building a wall uh, to keep people out who are different you know we're, we're using now outside to talk about those issues and to say that not everyone understands but here's what we say. How did the kids react to Donald Trump being elected? Some children were very scared of Donald Trump actually kids would say to me oh he doesn't like Muslims I remember a child saying, I can't go to America now. Because they do hear about it, they hear about these things. Mm. So it was about our message and what we said. And, you know, I, st I struggled actually, you know, but what I said was, well, we've, we've got to talk to Donald Trump, haven't we? We've got to talk to Donald Trump. Maybe <laughs> we can explain to him to him because he, he obviously doesn't know about no outsiders. Mm. So maybe we <laughs> need to write him a letter. Maybe we need to, maybe we need to. Maybe we need to yeah. invite him over to Parkhill yeah. School. Yeah. Oh my God, could you imagine? You know? and, and, th and that's always the answer, isn't it? Actually, that mm. is always the answer, is that if yeah. someone doesn't understand, you have to talk to them. Mm. Because Be open anyone can change their mind. Mm. And what about Brexit? What was the impact of that here? Uh, again, day after Brexit, a lot of children were very unhappy. I had a message that they didn't belong or that, or that, or that they couldn't stay. Some children said to me, would I have, would I have to go away? Okay. If I haven't got a British passport, am I allowed to stay? Mm. So I have a, uh, a club called the Ambassadors Club where we go and visit different schools around Birmingham to play with different children and we took the club to Birmingham City Centre to um, give out random acts of kindness. We're just going to literally just approach strangers and give them a flower and say have a nice day or this is just to cheer you up. Mm. And I wanted to do it to show them that no one was going to use a racist term or no one was going to say go home or obviously that was a risk that it might have happened but it didn't. You got children who are approaching strangers, giving them a flower, and, and the strangers always smile, because you can't not smile if mm. someone gives you a flower. So what does it show our children? That people welcome them in Birmingham, they, people like them, they, they belong. And that's what we talk about a lot here in No Outsiders. Which gets safety, isn't it, then? Yeah. I mean, that, the importance of safety. Yes. I love the approach from No Outsiders, and I love, I've always wanted to do campaigns, anti-bullying campaigns. Yeah. Do you think that by making it a whole thing, embracing the whole of difference, that it has, because we're an LGBT podcast as well, that it has really aided in, in LGBT inclusivity within this school and can as a whole, yes. if people took this approach? So the old way, just focusing on LGBT, didn't work because many of the parents were threatened by it. So before you even start, if you've got a label of, these lesson plans are about gay people, then you've got people shutting off straight away. And it's no good just saying, well, I need to change. Mm. You know, you have to engage them. So to engage them, you have to wrap it up in and put it in context with all equalities. So the Equality Act was fantastic. It came out in 2010 and it was brilliant because the Equality Act says that no matter your race, religion, gender, gender identity, so transgender, age, disability, sexual orientation and gender, you should not face discrimination. And also in there is civil partnership and marriage and uh, pregnancy and maternity. So that's how we teach LGBT equality within the context of all equalities because not one is more important than the other. And you can use that then as a sort of benchmark from which to build a whole approach within yes, a school, an ethos. A, an ethos, with governors, teachers, yes. parents and children. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So when we started it, we had the governors first, that was fine, staff were all fine. We've got many Muslim staff as well, they're all on board and fine. And then we had parent meetings. And, I've had, and I had some very difficult conversations on a playground with parents before meetings. Like one woman came up to me and she was quite upset and she said to me, Mr Moffat, you, you must understand it, if I let you do this work, I'm going to burn in hell for eternity. But more than that, I'm going to condemn all the children here to burn hell for eternity. And what did you say? 
I said, please come to the meeting, we can talk about it. And thank you for, for sharing that with me. And I, 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 I hear you, I, I listen to you, and I really want to talk about it with you. Because she sounded like she was really sharing really her, yeah. her belief yeah. system yes. and, and not and, wanting yeah. to... And who am I to say yeah. no Yeah, no, tough? Completely. Well, it's yeah. just law, get on, get on with it, which yeah. is what I would have done in my, in my last school. Mm. You know, it's, it's disrespectful, actually. I agree. So I've got, you've got to be respectful, you've got to bring people on board. The, the conclusion we came to in the end, uh, in one of the early meetings that we then, that then worked through all the meetings, is we said, and actually a parent came up with this idea, actually it wasn't there, so parents said this, said, okay, there are two ideas here. Here's what our religion says, it's, uh, is that it's not okay to be gay, but there are gay people in the UK, living in the UK, so there's two ideas there, and those two ideas can both coexist, mm -hmm. and we can balance them, and it's good for our children to know, as they're growing up, that there's two ideas, and we and, and did say, and we can teach them at home what Islam says and what we believe, but it's given to hear other ideas. Now I'm fine with that, because it's about children understanding that not everyone thinks the same, yeah, and that there are different ideas. And as they go through life, they're going to hear different ideas. And how do you reconcile your faith or your belief with that? Well, you just listen, you talk, and you balance. Because it's going to happen, isn't it? As they get older, you're going to. Yeah. It's wonderful as an adult. As I walked into the school, schools can bring back memories mm. for mm. you know people, um, for me, and it's wonderful coming in also f for myself as a gay man who's come into a, gone into a lot of schools being known as a gay man because yeah. of my job. I feel I felt immediately safe here, yeah. and I didn't feel like I was going to be asked any uncomfortable questions. No. It feels like that. It feels very inclusive. I think um, that is definitely the case. And that's, that's wonderful. And so now I can tell you about the pantomime story. So year one, who are five-year-olds, went to a pantomime last week. And uh, during the pantomime, there was uh, obviously a pantomime dame. And the pantomime dame, all children recognised that it was a man. A lot of the schools in that audience just really, they found it difficult accepting this. And children were basically catcalling a bit and were booing. Not everyone, but there was, it was audible booing. Enough for one of our girls to stand up and shout, no, it's okay, there's no outsiders. Yeah. Which is just wonderful. You've got a five-year-old Muslim girl seeing a, effectively a gay marriage and he's saying, stop, stop booing, it's okay, there are no outsiders. Do you think that kind of moment, if your life was a film, that for me would be the moment when it's like, it kind of completes what was started in your last job. Yes. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's That's like, adverse, yeah. Yeah. you know? And I'm really interested where you want to... I mean, obviously you should be in government, but like, where would you want education to be in 20 years time? Well, the next thing for me is to, uh, I feel like- oh My God, what are you gonna do next? I'm terrified for you. <laughs> I feel like that, that I can demonstrate now that this works in a Muslim community. So uh, now I want to work with communities where like the EDL are uh, uh, strong. I'm convinced that whatever your background or you know, whatever your situation, you can tap into to this ethos. I'm, I'm actually convinced that it could work anywhere. That was our chat with Andrew Moffat. Favourite moments, William? When, well, when... When I wasn't eating. When the nice woman who made the flapjacks came and visited us. That was hilarious. I just thought that um, he's got this amazing quest mm. to just take on the norm. Yeah, you and know? what this world needs more of is people like him, people who make it their business to bring about positive change. Also, he? he's the most organised man I've ever come across in my life. He, like... Like, if I said to him, you got a clipping of, uh, uh, a, you know, Waterloo when something went wrong, he goes, let me just go to my cupboard. Yes. I try and make my study that organised. Yeah. And I've been to Muji, but it doesn't work. <laughs> I bet you he had, somewhere in that cupboard, the episode from Neighbours where Charlene and Scott got married. You just know it, don't you? He'd be like, oh yeah, it's right here, VHS. Do you want VHS or DVD? My oh, first, I can do your link. My first experience, someone trying to set me up with, um, I told my friend that I was gay when I was 15 and then he tried to set me up with some girls. Mm. So he, his girlfriend at the time had a house party mm -hmm. with some of her girlfriends mm -hmm. and then I was to go over. My dad drove me and Rupert up to London. I was terrified. And uh, we sat there and Andrew snogged his girlfriend while we watched the best love scenes of Neighbours. <laughs> and then I ended up sleeping in the dog's basket. Did you? Yeah, because I, so I just, they had a Dalmatian, so I slept. And then I rang up my dad, said, can you come and get me? Oh. I know. It was way. actually quite scary as a 15-year-old, because I felt really pressured to kiss a girl, and I really didn't not, want to. Oh, not the video. 
No, that was really scary. Ellen Daniels. You felt... It was horrible. It was really horrible. I'd love to hear from our listeners if they ever had anything like that. Um, mm. But I found it really stressful. Did you? And also, it's like, it shamed me as well, because I was thinking, oh, no, this is what I must do. Mm. You know? As a question, see what you think. What does... I disagree. Yeah. <laughs> what does Me Too mean for our LGBT listeners? Because I'd really like to know, because it, it is on the news all the time. What does it mean for our listeners? What does it mean for the LGBT community? Because there's some muddiness, or it's just different. And, you know, when we went on Women's Hour, I was talking about being objectified by men as a gay man. Yes. I felt that. I felt that I have to do things before when I'm a younger gay man. Do you? In an older gay man's world, I felt like, okay, maybe this is the rules here. Yeah. You come out as gay, you go into this new world of gayness... And often you're not with your friends because they're not gay. So you've gone on your own or with a new gay friend. And it's this whole world and there's rules there that you're assuming. So, and people offer you drugs, by the way, straight away. Like the first time I went into a gay club, I was offered drugs. But anyway, so you... I never got offered drugs. I will clarify that. It was the first time I went out to a gay club, I was offered drugs. After that, I didn't find it druggy at all. But I think nowadays it is a lot more druggy. I think I need to go out again and experience it. For our listeners. Just for our listeners, obviously. No, but you know, not drugs, but to experience Well, like... we got an invite to go to a night called Chapter 10. What? Yeah. Where and when? I don't know we're going to go. Can we wear our t-shirts? Let's go. We can wear our t-shirts. We'll rip the sleeves off. And our hats. We're still young. Ooh, we've been asked to lots of things recently. We have. Hang on, we need to do... Th- what did we hear back from the person that asked us to... Well, we were invited to like Swedish Pride or something. Okay. We're going to that. But no, make so... our own Homo sapiens float. What? Yeah, just yes. a couple of cardboard things and... Just you and me, we're doing like a, yeah, like a fake yeah, car yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, Homo you know, sapiens we, train. Yeah, made out of cardboard and we, we are our own float just yeah. walking. yeah. And then, like, William, my husband, on a trumpet next to us. Yes. He can't play a trumpet. I don't think he'll like that. No, sorry. So, just on the Me Too thing. I suppose that's my question. What does the Me Too movement mean to our LGBTQ plus community? Please write in and tell us. And where do they write into? They write into hello at homosapienspodcast.com. Before we sing our final song, may I just remind our listeners to go to Apple Podcasts and rate and review. And what happens if they do that? They can win a t-shirt in our Homo Sapiens Extra episode. Homo Sapiens Extra. Next week, we will be doing our first of our segments called Meet the Listener, where we go and share a drink with them. Quite cool, no? Yeah, yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. Well, the cycle of the washing machine is finished and so are we. Which leads us only to our final song, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, <laughs> Homo sapiens, Homo sapiens, feels so natural. Homo, Homo, feels so Homo, 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 Homo for you. <laughs> when do we get our album deal? 